Hi, my name's Pete. This is Social Distance. So welcome to episode 219. And we have got a corker of an episode for you today. The foundation stone upon which this episode is built is the astonishing... (laughs) Um, audio that Noel sent through. I'm running out of superlatives to describe this guy's work, man. It's so good. If you're a Noel fan, then uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Maybe his best yet. Uh, Really beautiful look back at the year. Beautifully put together. So thank you ever so much, Noel, for uh, recording that and, you know, writing it and recording it. Um, and also we're going to obviously look at the United States and their year with COVID. We're also going to be looking at the scandal that David Cameron has got himself in. And I'm going to be talking about very good news. I'm going to get the second dose of the vaccine, uh, on uh, Saturday. So just a few days time so that's good so i'm going to be talking about that and the week that we've had seeing friends was really lovely and after the outro you know what to expect it's paranormal blip Uh, anyway welcome to the show so you can no doubt detect in my voice the illness that is still continuing uh, to course through my body, but it's okay because it's not COVID. It's just, I think what it is, is that, uh, you know, after shielding for so long, I'm out in the world again and just kind of, you know, the environment, not any one particular person, I don't think, but the, everyone <laughs> has conspired to make me feel really fucking shit. So I've got a cold and I've got a sore throat and I've got a cough as well. And yesterday we went shoe shopping for my son, which is the first time that, uh, you know, we went into the shops like, you know, ever, basically, it felt like. And it was the second day in uh, England that you could do that. So the kind of non-essential shops opened up on Monday. We went on Tuesday into quite a small town near where we live Um, and my son's of the age where you do really need to kind of go into the shop you know for the experts to uh, measure the foot before buying the new shoes and it was very good to have a cough you know because it meant that it was amazing I didn't I didn't stay in the shop obviously I kind of popped in then went out again and then I was just walking around the kind of you know uh, at the town centre, as, as you call it, and it was brilliant. You know, every time I coughed, like it was uh, a deterrent. I had a massive radius of nothingness all around me for ages. So anyway, in a couple of days, on Saturday, I'm going to get my second jab, which is absolutely fantastic. I can't wait. It really boosted me. Um, to hear that, so it's a good joke, isn't it? Yeah, and um, you know, Michael Rosen has had it, his second jab. John Pinar has had his second jab. Uh, Michael Rosen is seventy-four, and John Pinar is sixty-four. And I really like John Pinar a lot. Anyway, when I get this, um, the second jab, 
on Saturday. I think that, you know, it's going to do a lot of good, obviously, like actually do a lot of good for me. Um, but yeah, I've noticed, you know, that I have been a lot more relaxed. And I think that that kind of more relaxedness will continue after the second jab. You know, psychologically, I think it will be really good. I mean, in fact, I really feel like I'll be kind of able to take on things and do things that, you know, otherwise I wouldn't be able to do. I'll be like, I am the president of the United States of America, clothed in immense power. I'll be like, I'll be like I'll be like We're seeing what this guy is really made of What he is The greatest professional athlete in the world today Look at this He's I'll be like... That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. I'll be like... I'll be like... I'll be like Now he's shaking up the knees Could I come again please Yeah the ladies want to come You've been Thunderstruck I'll be like I'm the king of the world I'll be like I'll be like I'll be like well, you can tell by the way I use my walk I'm a woman's man No time to talk And you see loud When men walk I've been kicked around Since I was born I never tolerate I don't care And you may look the other way But we can try
be like. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. I'll be like. I'll be like Don't you worry about a thing Don't you worry about a thing mama Cause I'll be standing on the side when you check it out I'll be like I'll be like Why well, you can join in on our band man If you're just learning our like Original people I'm a singer as well so we'll carry But even after the first jab My sense of, you know, being relaxed uh, It's totally changed, you know Absolutely totally changed I don't feel great And it's weird, like, you know, seeing people We've seen four sets of friends in the last week because we're still on holiday and you know everyone's obviously social distancing still but to spend hours with you know fantastic great close friends who we love on a nice you know sunny day at the beach or around someone's garden or up at uh, this place where we all used to study like bloody years and years ago this great big fucking ridiculous estate where, where we used to study which sounds a lot, it was an arts college, a tiny little arts college. It wasn't like grand in any way. It just so happened to be on this slightly ridiculous estate. But beautiful though, beautiful. Before anybody that knows what I'm talking about thinks I'm slagging the place off. Oh God, as if. Uh, anyway, that was really nice, you know, just to see people, spend time with people, properly catch up with them. I mean, it's like fantastic. Cool. And I was like so much more relaxed you know, just kind of being around uh, other people. I, was, I just loved it, absolutely loved it. And I expect that the second jab is just going to continue that and, you know, kind of like improve that, a boost to that. And just to see people is like such a huge tonic, you know? And um, I do expect, now I do know that, you know, Lambeth does have this problem that I'm not sure that surge testing is going to get on top of the problem of the South Africa variant in Lambeth and I think it's in Wandsworth as well and I've got a very close friend who listens to the show in Lambeth and I used to live in Lambeth like for a good few years and um, you know it's slightly worrying 
that it is in Lambeth. But Lambeth has, because my friend lives there, I've been quite keen on like working out what the score is with Lambeth all throughout. And Lambeth have got an excellent Lambeth Council, Labour Council, by the way, have, have got an excellent programme in place in terms of COVID-19 defences. And like they have throughout, you know, their um, way of reporting data is probably the best I've seen, like in anywhere I've looked on the planet. But also they for a long time now, like for ages, for months, they've had this thing where anybody can get a test. You don't need to be uh, symptomatic. You can just pop in and get a test. And they've been having t- they've had test centers dotted around Lambeth. Um, and Lambeth has been lower. Lambeth, by the way, if you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, it's one of, uh, I don't know how many boroughs there are, like roughly, I don't know, 25 boroughs or 20 boroughs or something like that in London. Quite a large part of, uh, well, it's actually not like geographically, it's a small place, but there's quite a lot of people that live in that small place. Uh, there's a word for that, isn't there? It was like compact or something. Uh, maybe I can't think. I'm fucking brain fog. Two week two of brain fog. Um, anyway, so the Lambeth have been on it. So, but at the moment, the South Africa variant. There's about 70 cases apparently in Lambeth and Wandsworth, and they're asking everybody to do a PCR test. I mean, really, like if you live in Lambeth, if you work in Lambeth but live elsewhere, or even if you pass through Lambeth. Basically, if you have any contact with Lambeth and Wandsworth, I imagine as well. Um, then you've got to do a PCR test. Now, hopefully that will get on top of the, the um, you know, South African variant. But I'm not sure that it will. Like, only doing that, you know, I'm not sure that it will. Because, of course, there's many, many people that aren't going to go for a test for whatever reason. Maybe they don't want to go for a test or who knows? Maybe they don't hear that they can go for a test. Who knows? But obviously, there's going to be many, many people that are kind of, you know, not going to do that, you know? So we'll see what happens. And of course, that is the big fear that everyone has, is that a variant like that does get a hold and starts to spread in a community. Um, The vaccine's doing really well. Like, you know, we're up to 15%, just under 15% now of people who have had the second vaccine, second jab, and we're up to 60% of people, just over 60% of people who have had the first jab. So, you know, that's all, that's really good. And that obviously needs needs to continue for us to get to a place where, you know, it's going to be okay. And I do think that the risk outside is much, much, like, you know, it's about 20%, uh, sorry, 20 times less, something like that, than inside. Um, And especially, like, if you're going in and out of shops, half of the people don't bother taking their masks off, you know, between the shops, you know. And, of course, if you're outside passing, there is a general sense of social distancing in the air. It's not kind of, like, massively adhered to. But at the same time, you know, if you've got 60% of the people walking around who have been, like, vaccinated, you know, like, of course, that does make a bit of a difference, you know. So it's it's all going well as long as we can't as long as we um, fight off the variants.
The foundation stone upon which this episode is built is Noel's incredible uh, audio <laughs> that's coming up in a few seconds. Uh, well, a few minutes, you know me. Uh, but it does give us the opportunity to take a look at the United States. How have we been doing in the United States? Well, we know that it's been a rough ride. I mean, there's no question about it. It's been an absolute dire situation for the great majority of the time. Uh, you know, last the whole of last year. And um, it's now, now it's looking, you know, a bit better, quite a bit better, actually, because of their vaccine rollout. But, you know, this is what happens when you put a fucking insane, you know, nutter in charge. What happens is that he uh, can't cope and he fucks up. He creates a weird... I mean, it's just nuts. If you just think about it for a second, the idea of wearing a mask uh, during a pandemic, a pandemic where if you breathe in this fucking thing, you get ill, there's a good chance you're going to get ill badly, depending on your age and circumstances. And, I mean, anyone, as we know, can die from this fucker, yeah? The chances go up the older you get and uh, you know there's various other kind of things in there as well but uh, basically if you breathe this in it's not good news so the idea of putting a mask on your face you know you wouldn't think that that's controversial only in trump's america could that be a controversial thing and only with a you know fucking millions of dumb motherfuckers and hey listen we got them in britain as well yeah and for a lot of people, with um, a lot of Americans, for a long, long time, because of Trump's fucking insane antics, they were just anti-mask. I mean, it's unbelievable if you kind of take a step back and think about it for a minute, that anybody has this, you know, uh, passionate hate for the idea of putting a mask on your face when there's a fucking, like, pandemic, an airborne pandemic that could well put you in hospital. I mean, utterly insane. So thank fuck for, you know, everyone that voted for Biden and voted that fucking clown out of office. And things are looking up now. Um, the vaccine, I mean, it is quite incredible, really, when you look at the, when you look at the chart. Just past 120 million people being vaccinated and they've, in fact, given out... 192 million vaccinations so that means that you know plenty plenty of people that's a good number isn't it plenty plenty have got their two jabs they're joining john pinar um what's his name ted underwood and me no not ted underwood what's his name michael rosen and me with two jabs or i should be saying we're joining them and um now how are we comparing in the uk well, we have uh, roughly um, given out 40 million um, doses, which is pretty good, 60% of um, population. And in the UK, by the way, uh, you probably all know this, but if you're 45 plus, 45 or older, and you live in the UK, you can now register to get your vaccines, uh, your vaccine appointments, okay? So please do that if you, this is, uh, you know, 
public service broadcasting at its best. So now if we look at um, cases, though, they've had a massive number of cases in the United States. We know about that, but we also, interestingly, though, the case fatality rate is higher in in the UK, okay? So we've got a case fatality rate of 2.9%, and in the United States it's 1.8%. So that means that's the ratio between confirmed deaths and confirmed cases, obviously. So 2.9%, just under 3% of the people that have got a confirmed case of COVID-19 are going to die of it. And that's now in, in the UK, right? So remember that vaccinations, when you get vaccinated, it doesn't mean you're in the all clear, yeah? You can't go to Sweats Nightclub yet, right? Just don't go to Sweats nightclub so far. Don't do your sweaty yoga. Not yet. Or if you do do it, then make sure you do it on your own. Or do it outside, like fucking far away from any sweatmeister. Yeah, I mean, it's just off the scale in the States. I mean, literally uh, 31 million. 31.2 million cases in the States. And that's um, 4.38 million in the UK and the total deaths in the United States is 564,000 I mean you know just unbelievable unbelievable 564,000 people have died in the United States from COVID-19 now you know the vaccine is being distributed quickly Last Saturday, actually, 4.6 million new doses on that day. And overall, for the last seven days, it's been 3.2 million doses a day over the past week. I mean, that is really quite extraordinary. And of course, you know, you've got to wait your three weeks and then you still have to be careful. And I think that the um, CDC is being quite lax in terms of their guidance. They're saying, for instance, that you can uh, visit inside a home or private setting without a mask with other fully vaccinated people of any age. I mean, you know, is, is, is that... I'm not too sure if you're in a position to give that uh, advice when we know that people are going to kind of test the the boundaries of the advice, if you like, yeah? Um I mean, I'm not entirely sure whether that the, the UK government are not doing that. They're saying even if you have been fully vaccinated, you can't go into people's homes. That's something that you cannot do. doesn't matter if you're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. At the moment, you can't go into people's homes. And of course, that will be lifted soon. But, you know, um, the, the United States is in a worse place than, than Britain. Like, basically, yep, they've vaccinated... Um, fewer people in terms of the population yeah we've uh, vaccinated a bigger proportion of our people bigger percentage of our people Um, and then you've also got these kind of like weird things like happening in different states where some states are you know more on topic than others and some political leaders are far kind of less into uh, you know, basically keeping people safe. Do you know what I mean? So for the CDC to give this kind of, you know, um, uh, federal, you know, countrywide uh, 
advice, I think that could be uh, misinterpreted by people who want to kind of pull a fast one, if you like, yeah? Um, it's not as... I mean, I know I'm fucking cautious about this. Like, obviously, I'm really cautious about it. But I just don't... It doesn't feel right to be saying, yep, you know, after you've had your vaccinations, then you can go into people's houses as long as they've had the vaccination as well, yep? That's that kind of thing. I mean, of course, we're going to get there, like, you know, quite soon. Um, and we have to get there at some point, you know. I understand that. But it then goes on to say travel domestically without a pre- or post-travel test, travel domestically without quarantining where after travelling, travel internationally without a pre-travel test depending on destination, travel internationally without quarantining after travel. And you have this kind of feel that, well, you know, I'm not entirely sure that a lot of other places are going to be happy to go along with that, you know. Um, because although the United States is getting his vaccine out, there are plenty of people that haven't had the vaccine and there's plenty of COVID still in, like there's plenty of infections still in the United States, yeah? And we know that there are various uh, strains bubbling up here and there, hither and thither, um, that aren't as, uh, that, that can bypass um, the kind of, um, efficiency and the efficacy, efficacy is that what? You know what I'm trying to say? The goodness of the vaccine, yeah? Um, so for instance, the South Africa variant, it doesn't mean that the vaccine doesn't work at all on the South Africa variant, but it doesn't work as well as it works on the other variants, like the Kemp variant and the old traditional variant. Remember, I remember the good old days when there just was that main traditional variant that killed all those people. So I'm not sure whether the CDC are kind of like, you know, jumping the gun a little bit. But at the same time, of course, we do need to, you know, kind of come out of shielding and, you know, meet people at some point. So maybe they've, I mean, fucking hell, they're the scientists. So they hopefully do know what the fuck they're talking about. I mean, they'd still also say you shouldn't visit indoors without a mask with people at increased risk for severe illness from COVID-19 and uh, attend medium or large gatherings. So, so that's good. And they're also very uh, strictly saying, you know, have you been fully vaccinated? It takes two weeks after the second dose of a two-dose series or two weeks after the um, Johnson Johnson single dose. And this Johnson Johnson has been um, paused, doesn't it, because of the six deaths with the blood clots. So that's... Um, you know, we'll have to see what happens with that. So anyway, so it's a bit of a kind of funny, you know, bag in terms of the United States. Generally speaking, they've had an absolutely diabolical time, you know, like over half a million people dead. And, you know, Donald Trump kind of making it into this insane culture war, like folding it into the culture wars was just deeply unhelpful, you know. Um, but, you know, the vaccine rollout has been remarkable since Biden got his got into power, um, you know, and he's he's said a lot about, you know, trying to go for 200 million by uh, the first 100 days. And it looks like he's going to reach that, you know, quite comfortably because they've nearly done it already, like uh, on 190 million now, you know. So that's really, you know, some really positive things. 
Um, I would be, if you are, you know, in the States, and I know that, you know, there's people listening in the States, I would, obviously, I'm going to say this, you know, of course, be cautious, yep? There's no need to meet your friends inside, for fuck's sake. Like, and if you do have that need to meet your friends inside, then please just, you know, be cautious, be careful. We don't really know how the vaccines... Uh, how effective the vaccines are in the real world yet yeah we're discovering this like the whole world is discovering this they've only been kind of you know in a kind of mass way in people for just a couple of weeks really do you know what i mean so with that uh, introduction of be cautious here is noel who again has i mean it's just he's hit it out the bag again it's incredible now he uses a a backing track here that I'm going to say what it is and I've got a link to it in the show notes as well. So this is Half Mystery by Kevin McLeod. McLeod? Um, or maybe it's McLeod. Kevin, it's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. I think that's McLeod, isn't it? Yeah. Half Mystery by Kevin McLeod. So, um, and there's a link there it's royalty free music, but it does, you know, you do need to kind of say who it is. So it's a great track as well. So check out Kevin's work on the link. And um, yeah, here's Noel. Scene, as it should be, is free. Develop- 
developed, organized, and deployed within a year, free. One of the greatest public health interventions in my lifetime, free. In the U.S., where 62% of all bankruptcies are due to medical debt, concept mostly unheard of in other countries. came off last year, I attended a Gerhard Richter show at the Met Brower Museum. I remember having a minor coughing spell and sensing the anxiety ricochet throughout the unmasked gallery. That was a new sensation of public anticipation. We knew what was coming, yet it hadn't quite arrived. Eternally long, 
March this year seemed to pass in a heartbeat. I would hate to get the virus now, right before the vaccination, right before the cherry blossoms bloom. The home stretch is here. Descriptive faculties get swallowed up by the collapse. 
there is no representation when the tools of representation themselves erode at their foundations like sandcastles. The Richter paintings abandon representation, yet allow each viewer to construct their interpretation in the present with each viewing from where they are at that moment. To highlight this, there's a large mirror in the gallery. You see yourself observing the paintings. Richter also included mirrored reverse prints with the paintings on the opposite wall of the gallery. The exhibit is both a challenge and a warning that history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. History lives in the present, where the meaning is balanced and enacted by those contemplating it now. Standing to confront a terrible past is in some ways an inoculation from such a rupture in the future. COVID has changed my past. My pre-COVID life has taken on the air of pre-9-11 naivete in this country. I also perceive the adults of my youth in a different light. Their persistence through pain and their kindness in the face of struggles of life, those adults went through it and I had no idea. COVID has changed my future. I may never ride the subway again without a mask. Wallet check, keys check, hand sanitizer, mask check as I head out the door. Canned food supply is a comfort for me now, not a burden. And crowds. Thank you so much for sending that, Noel. Typically, you know, outstanding. 
my condolences for your loss. Uh, next week, we have some audio from my brother, who has had quite a difficult time with um, COVID-19 in relation to his uh, children, who's got special educational needs, and his school basically not kind of doing their job, which is a story that is replicated hundreds of thousands of times throughout the UK. So I'll be looking at that next week. And thank you also to Emily, to Joanna, and to Catherine for these insights into your lives of the last uh, couple of, well, of the last year, the COVID year. In the United Kingdom, Sausage Johnson does what he does best by setting up an inquiry, meaning that whenever his um, minister is on TV and asked about something sensitive, they've got the perfect answer saying, well, I can't possibly comment because there is an inquiry looking into that. And as um, a break of, what's it called? Break of morning? No. Morning has broken. Uh, between the lines, between the lines. I've been watching it on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube, Between the Lines, which is the groundbreaking. I don't know if it was, but it seems quite progressive, actually, when you watch it now, actually. It, this is a television... I'll get on to talking about sausage in a minute. But this is a television show that was on the BBC in 92. It was three seasons, I think, three series. I think three. And uh, I'm halfway through the second series, and it's really good. So it started 92, 92, then 93, then 94. And so it's what, um, you know, 30 years old. Yeah, 30 years old? No, it can't be 30 years old. Christ almighty. It is 30 years old. Oh, Jesus. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm constantly shocked about how old I am. Um, and, you know, pretty good, actually. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, of course, I left school in 92. I left school in 92. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, you can imagine that there's lots of just kind of racist abuse shouting all the time, you know, like it was back then in the fucking 90s in Britain and still is now. And also, you know, various other... Uh, kind of things. It's a much more political program than, for instance, Line of Duty, which is a huge TV show. I'm sure you're watching it and I'm watching it. Uh, I won't talk about it, though, because people are very, um, you know, worried about spoilers, spoilers, or not even spoilers, just, you know, speculation. You can't even bloody speculate these days, can you? No. But Line of Duty, no, that's the other one. Breaking, no, what's it called? Fucking, I've just said it a second ago. Um, Born on the 4th of July. Between the Lines, Between the Lines. Between the Lines has got this outstanding scene in it whereby a, a female officer, a woman police officer, um, is very high-ranking in her particular, um, you know, uh, police, what, what are they called? Police force, that's what they're called. And in the in Britain, basically every kind of area has got their own police force. So there's loads and loads and loads of police forces. You know, every county or city has got its own police force. 
So there's like, I don't know how many, but like loads, you know, 60 or something like that, if not more. Um, and so this, the, the story is that she essentially wasn't being promoted to the chief of the police force because she was a woman. It was very clearly that was what the story was. She has a meeting with them. She says, you know, I've, I'm like, I keep coming to the like the last two, but every single time I've had 18 interviews for Christ's sake, but every single time the man gets it, you know, and I put it to you that that's because you're a bunch of sexist dinosaurs. And of course, you know, as it is uh, by and large still today, like incredibly so in the police, sitting opposite her is a group of eight or so, um, you know, kind of uh, former, well, like, you know, basically in their 50s, 60s, all white men, you know, and um, they say, well, it's got nothing to do with you being a woman. It's just that you're not good enough to be the chief. And she says, well, I'm going to take action on this. And they say to her, well, if you do that, well, we're going to give you a choice. Either you resign quietly or if you don't resign quietly, we'll open up a um, investigation into malpractice. And of course, there's no, you know, malpractice, <laughs> like she hasn't done anything. But of course, the taint of suspicion means that she's put in a very difficult position. It doesn't help that she is uh, consoling somebody who is a woman and the fucking paparazzi. This is before uh, the whole, um, you know, hacking, hacked off thing happened where the paparazzi, I mean, you know, you, I've spoken about this a little bit in relation to the royal family, but you must never forget when you think about Britain, the role that the newspapers have still have. You know, the Mail Online is the one of the biggest um, news websites on the planet, you know? It's incredible. So anyway, the paparazzi had this photo of her consoling someone, said that she was a lesbian and she was basically forced out of her job. But that character says this outstanding, in a kind of um, speech to a group... Um, she says this really lovely little bit that I thought, oh, wow, not much has changed in the British police in the last 30 years. And here it is. And think of the police as a solid block of male attitudes. Prejudiced, sexist, racist, ignorant, violent culture based on unchallengeable certainties but it, it's steadfast and those ingredients are what give it strength but events such as yesterday's are a blow to that confidence there we go she then talks about the older plot in the show but there you go I suppose she's talking to a women's group there a group of women described in the show as a women's group. And um, you wonder why, why the writers put in that thing about steadfast. Probably like, uh, you know, why are you still in the police if you think it's just full of a bunch of violent racists? 
but it is steadfast though. That's good, isn't it? Good fucking excuse. But you can see from that that I've diverted massively from talking about sausage Johnson. But I did want to say that it's interesting that, isn't it? Yeah, you know, that was 30 years ago. I'm not sure whether you would be able to... Well, you probably would because we had small acts uh, a couple of... Um, well, at the end of last year, didn't we? Um, Steve McQueen's film about... about um, the first, one of the first black police officers in the Met Police in the 1980s. Uh, still, um, so anyway, on from into that kind of, you know, violent, racist bunch of fucking sexist, corrupting uh, twats to Boris Johnson. And he has done this thing where he said, right, here's your uh, inquiry. So, boys, and occasionally women when you are asked about you know this thing that's uh, blowing up in our faces you can say oh well i couldn't possibly comment because there's an inquiry happening uh but um what's his name old uh, uh keir starmer who is very close to tipping over into just a joke in the last couple of days he got to the point where people would put a photograph of keir starmer like leaning up against the wall and say something like, you know, I don't think much of the MasterChef contestant or something like, I don't think much of Kevin, Ke-, like just anything, just not look at Keir Starmer. And everyone would put lol and like that, you know. So thank fuck this thing has come up because Starmer has been in his job for a year. And of course it's been dominated by the necessity to agree with Boris Johnson's, you know, overarching aims in terms of the, I mean, you know, you wouldn't imagine it with so many people dead, 150,000 people dead, but the overarching aims of trying to bear down on COVID-19. And he has criticised, but far, you know, not, not much at all. He's not doing anything on Brexit, even though Brexit is a fucking joke, because he thinks that that will cost them Labour votes in the future. I'm not sure whether that's a good, uh, you know, way of going about things at all. But he does need something to kind of, you know, really get his teeth into. And this latest scandal might be it. So this is the relationship between um, David Cameron and this guy called Greensill. Greensill. And this dude, Greensill and Cameron went on holiday with the fucking insane psychopath that runs Saudi Arabia, um, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. In uh, just last year, January or February 2020, they all went on a bloody camping holiday together. Lex Greensill, David Cameron and Mohammed bin, bin Salman. They all went on holiday unbelievably together. This is obviously after the death of, well, the murder, the kind of gruesome, like, unbelievably horrific murder of Jamal Khashoggi, who wrote for the Washington Post. Um, you know, so most people were thinking it was probably not a good idea to get too close to, even if they were doing it, you know, just from a kind of diplomatic point of view, they were probably, they were thinking probably not a good idea to huggle up to Saudi Arabia at the moment, but that doesn't stop fucking Cameron, who of course was being paid by Lex Greensill to um, 
you know, kind of lobby various people to get business for Greensill. But now Greensill's business has gone down the fucking tubes and all this shit has come out. And last week I mentioned that it's the dead cat strategy in um, in uh, enactment, which it may, may well be because, you know, this is getting Jennifer Akuri off the newspapers. That's the woman that had a four-year affair with Boris Johnson while he was married, uh, while he was the mayor of London. I mean, you know, okay, people have affairs, but... She was rewarded £120,000. The, you know, the money, like public money, was given to her uh, company um, during the affair. Or, sorry, not during the affair, but after the affair. And you kind of think, well, it's a bit of a weird, you know, uh, coincidence. Well, of course, it isn't a coincidence. It's utter corruption. But the Akuri story has been forgotten about or, you know, kind of put to one side. And everyone is now focusing on this. And this is a really interesting story because uh, during the pandemic, old um, David Cameron was texting various... Well, he, he texted the Chancellor saying, come on, let's give us some money, fuck's sake. And the Chancellor said, yeah, I'm, try- I'm pushing the team. They're not interested because they're, you know, apparently they have this thing called like a reputation they want to uphold. Um, but I'm pushing them. And um, then they fucking went out to this, these two guys, Lex and Dave, went out for a, a drink with Hattie Mancock. Lex met up with Dido Harding. Lex met up with Stephen Sondheim, or whatever his name is, the guy that runs the NHS. You know, Lex is right in there. And of course, this is after Lex was uh, an advisor to David Cameron when Cameron was prime minister and had a card saying senior advisor to the prime minister on his card a number 10 card a number 10 business card unbelievable so uh, you know even <laughs> even Keir Starmer realizes there's a story here and he actually did quite a good job at representing himself and the country in asking uh, quite good questions at PMQs here he is The Greensill scandal is just the tip of the iceberg. Dodgy contracts, privileged access, jobs for their mates. This is the return of Tory sleaze. Mr Speaker, he talks of the Lobbying Act. Who was it who introduced that legislation? David Cameron. Who was it who voted for the legislation? Half the Conservative front bench. We said it wouldn't be tough enough. And where did that legislation lead? Two years later, David Cameron camping out in a Saudi desert with Lex Greensill having a cup of tea. I rest my case in relation to that legislation. The Prime Minister says there's going to be an inquiry. But the person he's appointed worked for the same law firm which lobbied to loosen lobbying laws. You couldn't make it up. What we need, what we need is to overhaul the whole broken system. This afternoon, Labour's motion calls for a proper parliamentary inquiry into this scandal. If the Prime Minister is so concerned about this, he should welcome the motion. After all, to quote David Cameron, his old school friend, sunlight is the best disinfectant. So there you go. You can see that, um, you know, he had a bit about him today, which is really nice, a bit of um, spark about him, which is really nice to see. And, of course, Johnson is trying to 
you know, hoik it all off to the past, nothing to do with me, nothing to do with us. It was actually asked, um, when was the last time you spoke to David Cameron? And he couldn't remember that. And of course, you don't want David Cameron, from a like sausage point of view, you don't want David Cameron to be to- so toxic, because of course, like, you know, it's David Cameron, for Christ's sake. It's not, uh, you know, you know uh, well, they're all dead now, aren't they? All the old past. John Major wouldn't do this. He's not the kind of guy to do this kind of thing. I mean, he probably, or he, either he's not the kind of guy or he did it very, very well. But there's something about John Major where you can't quite imagine him doing this. I'm not a big fan of John Major, but he isn't this kind of uh, politician. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And all the other ones are dead. And fucking Theresa May, of course, is, um, you know, less close to Boris Johnson uh, than uh, David Cameron because they were school friends. They went to Eton together. There's the famous Bullington Club photograph of them. Uh, But they've always been big rivals, like huge political rivals. And so there's a part, I think, of uh, Johnson who loves the idea of getting Cameron, uh, Cameron, Cameron, (laughs) in the shit. But uh, at the same time, you don't want that shit to become too close. And you definitely don't want the golden boy, Rishi Sunak, to get enveloped in the shit. And of course, Rishi is connected. You know, we know of what we don't know much, but we do know that there's a text message that he sent to Cameron saying, yeah, I'm pushing the team for them to go further. And of course, the team are these bunch of people with, you know, moral responsibilities who thought, well, of course, we're not going to give fucking public money to this dosed, you know, this fucking dosed. Anyway, we'll see where that goes, where that will probably rumble on. Might not go anywhere. I don't think at the moment it's got that kind of uh, that that ingredient that then that becomes a, a massive story, you know, it needs something else. It needs some other like X factor <laughs> ingredient for it to kind of get everywhere. Yeah, we don't have that yet. Usually, a kind of sex scandal works, but for whatever reason, it doesn't seem that anybody gives a f- like. Yeah, I think with Sausage Johnson, if you vote for Sausage Johnson, then there's something really wrong with you you know and like just like Trump you know it gets to the point where you kind of think well yeah that's of course he's going to have a like four-year affair with an American uh, businesswoman that's exactly what I expect Sausage Johnson to do you know that's why I vote for him for Christ's sake but with Rishi Sunak uh, it could be getting too close for comfort for the president for the president, for the <laughs> for the brain fog, for the prime minister. <laughs> Episode two one nine. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend if it is the weekend. And we're going to now think of Darius, the four foot long giant rabbit, stolen last Saturday. Saturday night, a professional job. Um, four foot long, yeah. Giant continental rabbit. £2,000 reward out there for it. So, if you see a huge rabbit, you're, not gonna, you're never going to see this rabbit again, are we? No. But, uh, so let's just have a moment's pause for Darius. That's long enough. Three, two, one. Oh, Christ, I said three, two, one again. One, two, three.
walk between the lane drops. Take care of yourselves. Uh, please do all of the things you do, especially if you're being vaccinated. Well, sorry, especially if you're not being vaccinated. But if you're being vaccinated, don't forget to do all the things that you have to do. Have a great weekend. See you next week. And take care. See you later. So here we are in Paranormal Blip, and last week was a very big news story. It got uh, quite a good amount of coverage in the States, a little bit patchy elsewhere, but it was on American, uh, on Australian television. Uh, a morning show on Austra- in Australia and on Chinese television as well and it was in the Telegraph in the UK as well so that's quite good for Jeremy Corbell and that huge story that he broke last week now uh, following on from that and leading up to the uh, report that's coming out we think June 25th is the uh, latest date I've read uh, here's a series of uh, so there's three senators here talking about um, you know, why they're interested in UAPs, UFOs. Um, so we've got Mark Warner, um, Rubio, what's that guy's first name? Mario. No, not Mario. Marco, Marco Rubio, yeah? And Harry Reid. So the three of them, and here they are. Concern should we be about the briefing that you received on UFOs? Is that a concern that for pilots? Is there anything well, I think some of the press reports are accurate. I think people are are taking this issue much more seriously. And, um, you know, I'm not going to get into any of the contents of the briefing. It was a classified briefing. Um, but what I I think the one of the key takeaways I'd have is that the, uh, the military and others are taking this issue seriously, which I think in previous generations may not have been the case is that there are things flying over our military installations and the military doesn't know what they are. And so anytime you have things flying over a military installation and you don't know what they are, that immediately raises issues of counterintelligence and that immediately raises issues of national security. In my opinion, this is something that we should be studying. And as I said, it's a worldwide phenomenon, if not just here. I'm not going to get into any uh, details on classified information. I have uh, received a, a similar brief um, over a year ago. Uh, I need to get an update as well. And you know, 
I'm concerned about anything that might threaten the health and well-being of you know, our pilots. And so my view of it is that we have something that that we need to know the answer to. Uh, the American public deserve to know as much as possible about it, and we shouldn't allow the stigma associated with the term UFO uh, to keep us from trying to answer that question. Uh, we've got a lot of those pilots that fly out of Oceana, uh, that fly out of Hampton Roads. Uh, if there is anything that is um, uh, disturbing their flight patterns uh, or potentially a threat, um, I think it's appropriate that the Navy and the armed forces generally uh, take this into consideration. So we'll leave it there for this week <laughs> before I actually lose my voice. Um, yeah, so anyway, have a lovely week and see you later.